All right, welcome back to another edition of uh, Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson, and tonight I am here with the lovely and talented Zilpha. Hi, Zilpha. Hey, John. Hey, everybody. And uh, we have a special privilege tonight to talk to one of the movers and shakers of Internet Mormonism, Internet ex-Mormonism. Yeah, they're all the same thing. Mormonism, ex-Mormonism. It's just which direction you wear your hat, right? (laughs) So, uh, William. Hey, William. Hello. Welcome to Mormon Expression. Thanks for having me. Uh, It is a pleasure. Now, you are the producer, director, and cinematographer behind the I Am an Ex-Mormon video series. Is that right? That's correct. And it was your brainchild. All right. Yep. Well, first we're going to come we're going to come back to that quite a bit, but first I want to kind of start out with uh, who who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um how how did you get um sort of started as an ex-Mormon? I assume you started out as the non Well, how did he get what what was his relationship to Mormonism before yeah. that? That's yeah. interesting too. Yeah, you grew up in the church? Yeah, I did. Um I'll quickly just I guess mention my name some people know me as Daniel Johnson or Dan Johnson, and so I, I've changed that recently, more of a personal decision that I, I wanted to sort of have a new beginning, a new start in life. And I felt like all my previous experiences um, and all the fears and everything that went together with being Dan, I just didn't want to base my decisions off of off of my past, I guess, in the same way that that I am trying to make a new life now. So I, I just want to kind of metaphorically, I guess, change and and be new. And so I'm going by my middle name now. So that's that's that. <laughs> so that um, should help all those of you who are confused out there. Now you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so you you grew up in the church then. Yeah, yeah. Um, grew up in BC most of my life, British Columbia, Canada, and uh, which is part of the farthest, furthest northern tip of the Mormon corridor, right? I suppose so. W- were I, there I, quite a few Mormons up in that area? In British Columbia, no, there wasn't very many at all. We were kind of the Mormons of the high school kind of thing. There was a couple others, but uh, yeah, it was. It was about forty-five minute drive to to church, and we did it every week, and went over the anarchist mountain. Anarchist <laughs> mountain—that yeah. was what it was called. Yeah. So, how, how did your parents? Were they converts, or uh, were they raised in the church? My mother was raised in the church, and my father joined. Uh, I think in his twenties. Not actually certain how old he was when he joined, but and then he married my my mother uh, soon after. Uh, but always active, uh, going over the mountain as a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of think it's it's nice because I'm used to just, like, I drove down here, and it was a 14-hour drive, and I don't know, I, I think I'm just used to driving. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually had our um, small branch in the United States, um, so we would go across the border every su- every Sunday and... Uh, the border guards got so used to us, they saw us, and they just wave us through. We could have smuggled all kinds of things. <laughs> uh, yeah, the big Canadian smuggle trade is 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 very lucrative, I'm told. <laughs> so um, you you go to, to high school, and did you, they have a a breakout um, seminary, or did you go to early morning, or? Yeah, actually, I talked to my mom the other day about this, and just told her how thankful I was that she, you know. Um, 
there wasn't a seminary program and she took the time to basically be seminary for me and um, my brothers and also uh, some friends that were close by because there was no one no one else to teach and so they would come we'd have seminary like really early in the morning like five in the morning and my mom would get up even earlier to prepare the lesson and I just I don't know I look back at how like even though I don't agree with what she taught I still you know I, I agree absolutely with the love that she had and the personal yeah. sacrifice yeah. on your behalf I just yeah I really appreciate that and I mean I told her that the other day and she was really thankful for me telling her and I don't know. It's just, it's sort of trying to cross that, I guess, boundary because it's sort of hard to have a mother that you, you wish she would be proud of you. Right. And it's like my decision <laughs> to leave the church is all of me. It's not like a little piece of me. It's like everything in I, that I am, you know, came together to make the decision to leave the church. And, and how can your Mormon mother be proud of you for that? But so I tried to try to just let her know that I still really appreciate her and, and, all the sacrifices she made, even even though maybe I don't agree, but I I, I don't really, I didn't really talk about the not agreeing part. Right. Was, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> um. So, did you serve a mission then? Yes, I did, and uh, I had four and a half months to go before I was a completed. You know, two year mission, but uh, they released me honorably, which I suppose was supposed to make me feel better because. Uh, well, I'll get into it, I suppose, <laughs> if you want. It's a kind of long story, so I suppose we have sounds, a while, <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> Go for it. Well, it all goes back when I was a young man masturbating. <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> no, you did that? Oh, gosh, you've got to leave the house now. No, they, don't, they don't send missionaries home for masturbating, do they? No, no. Especially honorably. <laughs> <laughs> well... When I was uh, growing up, I, I mean, I suppose, like most normal young men, I, I uh, had a little bit of horniness in me. And, and women, and women. women, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I just felt really bad about about life, and and really. I felt worthless, I guess. It kind of spiraled down into this depression where I didn't even, I didn't even want to get up to go to school, you know, and this I, mean, is I don't high even, school? yeah, like in grade 11, I think was when I just, I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> and, uh, I just, I don't know. It, it, I always look back now and think how funny it is that I had no connection to the system I was growing up in, the church and my depression. Like I would go to church every Sunday feeling so ashamed, want to sit at the back, hope no one sees me. Oh, maybe if they do, you know, maybe they'll know I masturbate or, you know, and, and I just obviously thinking that you aren't worth, I guess, the greatest sacrifice, you know, for all of humanity from the, the Savior. It's like this feeling of just... Like, I'm broken. I'm not good enough. And that was just what I felt every week. And I just, I dreaded going to church because of it, but I still believed it. And I would always go and I'd always confess to my bishop and, you know, tell him what I did. And we'd try to do better. And I'd burn my porno mags. <laughs> but uh, I always seemed to, I always seemed to be broken anyway. Never could overcome it. And the repentance process too is always the, you know, I, I was, 
I was all better and repented and fully forgiven if I knew that I had forsaken my sin. So every time my sin came back, my repentance, obviously, therefore, wasn't good enough. And and uh, I don't know, maybe a lot of people have a similar no, feeling. Yeah, it's like something you can't ever really repent from, no matter how hard you try, because you're you do it again, and then and then they say, "Well, it, it, the repentance only works if you don't do that anymore." Mm-hmm. And so every time you do, you're like, "Oh, now I have, you know, a hundred masturbatory episodes I have to repent for again." Yeah, there was a time when I was pretty young. I think this probably come up multiple times in my life where I quit repenting, um, not just for that, but for anything, because it was the height of hypocrisy in in the in Mormondom. Because whatever, you know, I wasn't robbing banks, so I was repenting for minor stuff, which I was going to do again, which would always come back to me, which was, uh, you know, hypocrisy on my part. So, if you take that... Knowing that you were probably going to do it again. Yeah, if you take that teaching, you know, that you can't repent for something unless you truly forsake it, that the Mormons push, if you take it to its logical end, then there is no such thing as repentance unless you can really quit something, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and and, and most sex, things you, you can't quit. Right. Most things you probably can, but... Sex, I can't quit you. <laughs> I can't quit you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or, so... like, if you if you thought eating was evil, you just could never... You could never forsake that. And their solution was, focus on it more, almost, it seemed, right? It's like, <laughs> this is so bad that I need to focus on it to get it out of my life, but then it's on my mind, and it's just making it harder, and... Exactly. And uh, and it's causing a lot of stress. And what's the greatest stress reliever ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that was my kind of growing up. And I I did get to a point where I was suicidal when I was around eighteen, and and uh, got through that. And and I I think at that point it was sort of the lowest point. But I also I guess uh, like it was sort of a failed suicide attempt where. I wanted to, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. There was a part of me that just wouldn't actually act on it. So it was almost like I was so depressed that I couldn't even wake up to go to school. And now it's like, not only am I a failure at life, I'm a failure at killing myself, you know? And I'm just like, oh, it's so terrible. But it also gave me a little bit of hope to know like, well, that's not the solution. So I should move on and figure out something else. And I I never went back to to that low low point in my life. And, uh, yeah, ever since then, I think it's, it's, uh, at least suicidal thoughts and that kind of stuff. Depression was never really the same, but there was still the guilt and, and that kind of stuff associated with all the, the masturbation stuff that I, I, I mean, I just, I hated myself (laughs) because of that stuff and just felt so weird that it, I had, or someone, you know, the church, the organization had convinced a normal, you know, good, well-meaning kid that he was worthless and broken. And but. So did, did you um, have any friends that you could talk to about the issue? Because I know you, when you I was, say that, but well, well, no, and when I was growing up, I, I you, did find you that were out was, of the norm because most so of helpful. us were so humiliated and felt so alone that we were the only ones with this perversion. I think your experience was exceptional, Zilpa. I guess it was, uh, but I was just wondering because that probably would have helped a lot if you had had anybody, you know, that was kind of in your situation that you could kind of. Well, they all were, but well, they, just... they were. I know, but that you could talk to about it. 
Yeah, I never did. I, I never did until I started to kind of grow up and be more of an adult and understand sort of that this is something that can help. And I started to open up to people every once in a while. Every time it was hard, but I start, started to get easier as I, you know, opened up to people I trusted. But that was that was when I was more preparing for my mission and um, in my early 20s. And I remember one time where I, I uh, somehow, oh, I, I stayed home from church one time. <laughs> I'm sick, right? And then I like go on the computer. <laughs> Everyone's gone. I mean, we got lots of brothers and sisters, never really able to be alone. So it's like one time you can be alone is mm-hmm. when you're sick from church, right? <laughs> so, sick so, of church, maybe? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm home and they come back and someone ended up seeing, oh, is the history... Not on the internet, because I was pretty good at deleting that, but <laughs> it was the the history of the printer, because I printed oh, something, no. right? And there was something that came up on someone's, I don't know, they tried to print something, and then they're like, whoa, where'd this come from? And they, they, you know, found out I probably the time that it was printed or something, and it was me, and I was <laughs> so ashamed. I ran to my room crying and locked my door, and I was just... Just so ashamed, and my dad was like knocking on the door, trying to. I don't. I don't really remember how it ended. I just remember <laughs> crying in my room and being like, "Someone found out!" Oh, you know. <laughs> so were your were your parents understanding of it after they found out, or do you not remember? Uh, my mom took me on a walk and and sort of tried to help me, which was really nice of her, but. You know, like I look back and I'm like, I didn't even have a sex talk from you guys, you know, like <laughs> no one told me about anything. And, and TV, as soon as there's a little joke about sexuality, it's like, turn it off. You know, uh-huh. we don't, it's like everything about sex, evil, bad, don't even talk about it. Don't even understand or get any idea of what it's about from your parents. And so just learn from school, I guess. All the kids out there <laughs> had plenty to say. Yeah. 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 So I, I kind of overcame masturbation and pornography for for my mission. And it was a struggle, but I did it and I was really proud of myself. And I, of course, gave the praise to the church, the organization that taught me it was a sin in the first place, which is kind of always ironic to me that I just, for you know, it's like I'm being pushed down, pushed down. And first time I'm able to stand up, I think to myself, this is obviously it's like you're gonna feel way way better no matter what it is if you're a jehovah's witness thinking all bad about blood transfusions or something and then you know you yet i don't know i don't know how you can overcome the blood <laughs> transfusion. I mean, that's not a good example but then you don't do it and you feel proud of yourself <laughs> yeah yeah but i was you know i felt really great and and uh my confidence went way up you know i started to feel good about myself and so i I prepared for my mission and, and, uh, it was, it was an interesting time where I, I wanted a testimony so bad. I didn't want to go out if I didn't know. I didn't want to be a missionary that just gained a testimony that was out there. I mean, that was too much of a, you know, two years on a guess kind of thing or like, I hope it's true. Like, right. I, I don't know. I don't think that that's, um, showing much integrity, I guess. Um, so I, I, Wanted to know, and I prayed and prayed and fasted and fasted. And I remember my friend, my my good friend Dustin Patzer. He, I I did a video of him actually, and um, you can just look up Dustin Patzer, ex Mormon, and it'll come up. Um, 
and he convinced me that I knew already. <laughs> and and I was like, I don't know if I do. But then I started to uh, read The Candle of the Lord by, I think it was Boy K. Packer. And, and it convinced me that the, and this was like during the time I was fasting, you know, and I read this talk and because I was trying to collect everything about testimony. I needed to know how to know. So and this talk just said, you know, you need to just say that, you know, <laughs> that some people might think that it's lying, but no, it's not. And, you know, and I, so I read this and I was like, this is the answer to my prayer. This is what I've been missing. I just need to bear my testimony and have faith that, you know, I'll gain a testimony <laughs> from it. And so, well, what do you know? I actually, psychology works. What do you know? <laughs> so I, I started to believe and felt like I was, I was sure. And so I went out and, and, uh, where where did you go, or do you not want to say? I went out to Nebraska, served most of the mission in um, Council Bluffs, Iowa, though. Oh, okay. I've been there. Yeah, and there was a little uh, visitor's center there, so I watched the Joseph Smith uh, movie quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit just didn't come as strong as I watched it more and more <laughs> and more. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so in the middle of my mission, my... Uh, my brother committed suicide and that was really, oh, no. really hard on me. But my, my, uh, older brother, Chris, who I also made a, I'm an ex Mormon video of, which, um, actually has a lot to do with my story. If you, you can take a look at it, it's one of the longer ones. I made it longer partly because it was personal to me and, and I just love my brother. He has so much, <laughs> so much to say that I love. And apparently Sam Harris really loved his video too and posted on his blog and stuff. Cool. If anyone knows who Sam Harris is and anyway. Um, but yeah, so Chris's uh, video is 23 minutes and it's um, has some personal things that sort of go along with my story. But his, uh, his story, he talks a little bit about our dad and he got in a car accident and, um, and died when my uh, brother Chris was on his mission. And so he was in Japan serving his mission and he didn't come home for his mission or for the funeral. And, you know, I just remember thinking about how awesome he was and he was so faithful and, and set a good example. And so when I was on my mission, I kind of had this precedent set that, you know, I should probably stay out here. But I, I prayed about it and wanted to know for myself. And I felt like I got this answer during this one Sunday um, lesson after my brother died. It was about like this... Uh, this missionary who had sacrificed and I don't remember what happened. He had broken his leg and prayed to God and then his leg healed and he went on his way or something like that. And I remember feeling like, that's me, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I can do this. I can be a missionary. I can sacrifice. And that was like my answer to my prayer. And I, so I, I, uh, stayed out there and, um, I really regret that decision. I, I mean, I never really felt like I got to grieve and I still feel like there's something that I need to sort of deal with, I guess, emotionally. I always wanted to do, uh, like I made a memorial video for my father when he died and that was something as soon as my brother died, I was like, oh, I should, I should do this for my brother too. And I, I just haven't got around to it and I think I, I need to, but that was kind of my you know, as a missionary, I was like, that's how I'll grieve. You know, when I get home, I'll, I'll make a video. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I haven't done that yet. It just seems, it seems like too much of a, a big project. Like I want it to be perfect, I guess, you know, for my brother. He's, he meant a lot to me. He was, he was, uh, closest in age to me. And, you know, we were always kind of best friends, I guess, 
well, best friends and best enemies, I yeah, suppose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, some of me, you know, I kind of blame myself a little bit in ways, but I, I know that's just sort of silly stuff. It's, it wasn't my fault at all. It was, but um, part of that story that that uh, might be interesting interesting for for uh, listeners here is um, after I left the church, I still was sort of trying to, I guess, understand my brother's death and. Our family had different theories and and different reasons why he thought why we thought he might have done what he did and and I think all those theories you know all those reasons that we came up with probably had an effect but I wanted to see his email because we had preserved his his email um, and password and stuff and I wanted to kind of go into it and just read his messages before he died and just sort of see if I could learn anything and um. And I convinced my mom to give me the password. At first, she would, didn't really want me to. And she said it was because she was afraid that if I read it, maybe I would become suicidal. Or You know, she was just a little bit worried about that kind of stuff. And uh, obviously, I guess she <laughs> kind of might be a little more worried than, than most people. But so I got the password and went in and, and uh, you know, kind of helped her to understand that this is like me, how I want to grieve. You know, please don't stop me kind of <laughs> from grieving how I want to. And um, yeah, so I just started going through it, finding, seeing what I could read. And, and I found this, uh, basically this conversation he had, um, it only took maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes for me to find it. And it was like staring me in the face right there. He like talked about why he felt like he wanted to commit suicide and it was really clear and <laughs> kind of obvious, but at the same time, um, I was glad that I read it after I was out of the church because I don't think I could have ever, <laughs> ever, um, I guess, thought that the church would, would be at all um, responsible or, or and, and I wouldn't say at all that the church is 100% responsible. I mean, I, I don't believe that at all, but, but I think that the system had a huge, huge effect on what he did. And uh, I mean, I was... Uh, just in tears and kind of <laughs> yelling out, F- you church, you know, I was so mad, so pissed off. But I, uh, what it said basically was, um, he was in love. Um, he had left the church at this time, the only one in our family. He had had a powerful spiritual experience when he was younger. Um, but he began to kind of doubt it and wonder, you know, if, if this was something that was, could have been in his own mind, something he could have produced psychologically. And I assured him, no, no, that's not the case <laughs> at the time. But um, so he doubted and he left. And so this girl that he was in love with, and you could tell by reading the conversation, you know, they were, they were really in love. Like they, they were talking about rings and, and, um, and he was talking about how he couldn't sleep at night because he had moved to a different city. Um, and he just was like, you know, all I can think about is you and, and stuff like that. And so this this conversation, um, he basically is talking to her about how, you know, I I know that your bishop has told you to stay away from me and your father. And, you know, if you believe the church is true, then, you know, that's what you need to do. You need to sort of decide what, you know, because they wanted to get married, but there was this whole stay away from that apostate kid, mm-hmm. you know, and... And, uh, anyway, so he said, basically in, in this conversation, he said, I feel like 
I'm losing myself. I feel like I have two choices, you know, because like losing you, I feel like I would lose my my reason for life. Um, and to uh, and you know, I I should be uh, clear here too that he had tried or or wanted to commit suicide like maybe a year earlier, two years or something, and um, so there was something going on that you know he he was already kind of at this point and and uh so this this girl was like his reason to live and and he just you know he had all this passion about life if she was in it and as soon as she was gone it was just kind of over for him i guess for whatever reason um but so he he's yeah he just said you know i feel like i have two choices either commit suicide or force myself to believe your beliefs and that was right in the chat there. And it was like, to me, this was an important piece of the puzzle that I had not understood or seen or, or anything. And, and, uh, later in the, in the chat, he said, everything that I am is becoming a hate for the church for being the wall that separates us. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I like I was already pretty pissed off at this point, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, here I am. I'm just sort of sitting there and and feeling like I've already, you know, left the church, feeling like really mad about things and and uh feeling mad about, you know, my depression and my and my uh my wife had left me at this point and it was um I suppose I should, uh, you know, give her, her defense of, of, uh, she caught me looking at porn and that was, that was her, her, uh, kind of final straw. But at that point I had stopped believing. And I think, um, personally, anyway, I think that she was kind of looking of for a way out and that was, that was it. Um, so you're, you're still a pretty young guy. So <clears throat> let's k- kick the timeline back up. So you you started your mission in your early twenties, twenty one, twenty two. How old uh, were you? Yeah, you, I was twenty two. Okay, yeah, when you when went, went out, mission. so and a then, little and late. You came back about eighteen, eighteen, twenty months. But you didn't explain that yet either. Yeah, I mean, right, uh, right. What, the... Yeah, so, um, I when I learned of my brother's death, I um started to emotionally be a little more unstable on my mission i suppose and just sort of um went back to my evil ways and <laughs> started masturbating and i i found i got a hold of some porn somehow we were like cleaning some guy's house it was oh my goodness <laughs> it was a mess like this guy must have been insane because no one would do this in their house it was literally piled up to your the the height of like my height at my head level of magazines like not porn, but like mostly they were gun magazines and hunting and stuff like that. But like this guy, I don't know what was going on, but we as missionaries were giving him service and helping uh-huh. him take all this junk out and just throwing in this huge, huge garbage. Um, and, and as we were going through, I found one. I'm like, what's this? The mission, you know, it's like one of the rare times where you're alone as a missionary because you're all moving things, right? So like when I moved in the other room and kind of like to, throw stuff out i was alone with porn you know and i was like mm-hmm, just popping in my you know pocket or something and and uh so yeah so that was um and my mission president was really really good guy so um, do you you voluntarily confessed is that yeah yeah i i would go and 
I felt so bad and tried to, and, and I think that's why my mission president would call me every night is because like, obviously mission presidents are pretty busy, but to call a missionary every night and try to help him, I think he knew I was sincerely like really trying and, and he really wanted to help. And so he would call me every night, Hey, Elder Johnson, how's it going tonight? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but eventually I, I got sent home and, and he decided that that was best and, they honored, gave me an honorable release and, and, you know, so nice That's of them. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they felt bad for me with the whole, yeah. the whole situation, but, but I felt like a failure coming home, you know, yeah. four and a half months. So I, I was actually at that point coming home. I was like, I want to finish. Cause like, this is something I was taught all my life, you know, go serve a mission. And I really wanted to be like the, you know, finish those two years. So I wanted to go back and I, was going to counseling these guys were gonna help me <laughs> and uh and then i met my wife at that time and we ended up uh getting married outside of the temple because we weren't good enough human beings and <laughs> and i just felt like everything in a row like my mission was a failure my temple marriage was a failure and i also felt like because we um well suppose I shouldn't talk about that publicly for her sake, <laughs> but I just felt like a failure. And, uh, and the one thing that I always thought, you know, every time I was really feeling guilty and shameful, I remember just in my youth, I was like, but I'll never bring this into my marriage. I'll never, never masturbate and look at porn when, when I'm married, I'll have this beautiful wife and, you know, she will, she'll be everything I need. And, and, uh, so when I looked at porn and I was like, well, I, I have to tell her I always want to be honest, but I felt like another failure in my mm. life that was like, yeah. And plus I was disfellowshipped at this time. So, um, from not getting married in the temple and everything, everything surrounding that. So I couldn't pray, couldn't take the sacrament and people would ask me too to pray. Right. And I, like, no, I can't, I can't, <laughs> you know, and I just oh, felt man. like crap. <laughs> so it's like every Every Sunday, here I am, like, trying to still believe and be a Mormon, and I felt like crap, all my past being brought into my marriage, my wife hating me about this thing, like, I'm cheating on her, and uh. and giving me more guilt. Like, obviously, I already had this pile of guilt that I'm like, you know, finally, I'm married, that's all my past, this is great, and then it, like, comes piling <laughs> on, and I start to hate myself again, but, oh, I can't, you know, let's, let's make this marriage work, I can't be all depressed with my wife, and... And, uh, so I'm like, okay, I'll never do it again. And <laughs> six months later, I'm like, oh, gotta be honest with her again. And, and then she, you know, no more sex for you, you know, oh, and no. stuff like this. Oh, that'll and, help. Uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm like, here I am in the same guilt. And then that's around, like, I, I told her I wasn't going to do it again. <laughs> and I was serious each time. Like, I really wanted to, you know, want to be a good boy, <laughs> but, uh. Um, yeah, that was around the time that my brother, uh, began to talk to me about his doubts and my two older brothers, like they were, I knew them well enough to know that these were good men. They were, they were, they were righteous, intelligent, you know, they had the best intentions. And so when my oldest brother left the church, I was actually still a missionary and I didn't believe it. Like I, I thought my brother was just joking with me. I was like, are you, are you kidding? Are you joking? You just, you're just joking, right? 
I'm pretty sure you're joking. <laughs> I'm like, Nephi does not leave the church, you know? <laughs> so, so I just was in shock. And um, he had actually found the Mentina Archives. Have you ever heard of that? The what? The Mentina Archives. No. You should do a podcast on what that. What is it? It's like the sealed portion or the Book of Jaranek. It's like the, you know, a new oh, it's another um, one. scripture. And so he had found that, my oldest brother, Dwayne, and he had read it, felt closer to Christ, which matched the, you know, the everything in the Book of Mormon, like, you know, it's true if it brings you closer to Christ. So he's like reading this and it's like matches with the Book of Mormon because it's actually about the Book of Mormon peoples in the American continent, it's supposed to be the Hagoth people, uh-huh. people oh, of Hagoth. Wow. So he's reading it, feeling really good. And he's like, oh, and and the... You know, anyway, I'll, I'll, I should shorten it. There's like, I, I could go on forever about this kind of stuff. So I should probably just, um, anyway, so he ended up reading it and praying and asking God because it had the same sort of Moroni's promise in there. And he had this spiritual experience where he knew it was true and he was in tears and thanking his heavenly father and just feeling wonderful, you know, that he had found new scripture because he knew that new scripture would come eventually in the latter days. And, you know, so he's, he's sitting here feeling like, oh, he has this treasure, this knowledge. And, and then he finds out that the guy is an admitted liar in court. He read the proceedings in the online somewhere. He found the, the court proceedings. And so he's, he's kind of sitting there thinking and realizing like, this probably isn't true at all. And then he starts to sort of put everything in perspective and, well, then what does that mean about my Book of Mormon knowledge <laughs> and prayers? And and so he left after a long, hard struggle. He actually married a girl here in Provo, um, Utah. So he was in like Mormon Central, you know, BYU and stuff. And so he, he ended up leaving, but I didn't, I just so like, so in shock. And from then on, it was kind of like, everything seemed different, you know, it was like, I always thought about him and why he left and tried to reason my way around his reasoning and figure out why the church is still true and why he's deceived. But I couldn't label him. Like I always seem to just naturally label those who left the church as sinners or just weak. And, you know, and so he, he was just this like perfect example of like, cognitive dissonance for me, I suppose. But I was afraid of him when I got home. I didn't want to talk to him because I felt my spiritual level was low because, <laughs> you know, I was a bad boy. So I was worried that I might lose my testimony for the wrong reason. Satan would maybe deceive me. So I didn't want to talk to him. But my other brother, he was, you know, he was married and he was, I'm going to save my older brother, right? And his name's Chris. And like I said, so he, he just began to have all these conversations on the phone and and finally, and this is what he, he came and told me this. He, and this was when, uh, this period of time that he kind of shared his doubts. When we sat down, he just started talking and he's like, you know, I'm really unsure about this. Like I, I went in there thinking I'm going to save Dwayne. I'm going to, you know, help him come back to the church because we have the truth. And I realized that I wasn't seeking to understand him. I was seeking to come, you know, and so he's like, well, obviously, you know, seek first to be, to, um, understand and then to be understood that. <laughs> so he's like, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to understand him so that then he'll come back to the church. Cause I'll, I'll be more powerful in being able to help him. Right. And he'll, so, and you know, like, so here I am with my other brother, who's like Nephi to me and like amazing, amazing guy. And he's like, once I actually tried to understand him, 
that's when I began to have doubts. And I'm like, sitting here, two of my brothers, super intelligent and really good guys. And I'm like, I mean, who who couldn't listen to, the, like, you know, in that position, I was like, <laughs> I just, and he brought up all the things that matched perfectly with all my experiences on my mission. And, you know, like I would have little promptings as I read the scriptures that said, this is, this is true because I'm having a feeling and it matches my life. But then I'd have another experience that sort of contradicted in a different scripture but same feeling, but I kind of ignore all those things, you know, like, well, even though the spirit seems to be speaking me, speaking to me through the scriptures, telling me this, and then it'll tell me another thing. I was just like, well, I was just doing something wrong. There was something, something wrong there. But you know, when my brother starts talking about the spirit and the issues involved with trusting this sort of inner feeling, it just all clicked. I just made, it made sense. And I, I remember one particular lady on my mission, it was <laughs> probably the most like cognitive distance I ever experienced almost just sitting there with this. She wasn't from the reorganized church of Jesus Christ. She was a break off of the reorganized church. So I think she was like restorationist or something. I don't remember, but here she is. She's telling me like, you know, we met with some missionaries before and I remember praying. So she's telling us this story and I prayed and I had a vision and Christ himself came and he told me you know these missionaries from the mormon church they will fulfill my own purpose in my own due time or something like that <laughs> and 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 christ went on to explain that they weren't the true church and she wakes up from this sort of dream and this vision and she's like and i just felt so much peace and so much joy and all these feelings that here we are as missionaries teaching how do you know the Spirit's the Spirit? You feel peace and joy and love and, you know, all these things. And so here she is telling me every, like, the only solution was that she was lying. But I was sitting there watching her sincerity and, like, I didn't think she was lying. Maybe she's crazy. Maybe she's deceived by Satan. But how could Satan? And I was just like, I just don't think about it. I don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure the church is still true, though. I don't know. So, like. It just all made sense when my brother shared some things about that, the spirit and the Book of Mormon. It was just like from then on, I was like, crap, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and I shared it with my wife, my doubts, and she started to be really worried and like wasn't sure if she could remain married if I left. And so I kind of wasn't sure how. I think I, I think I sort of slowed down a little bit on my search because I was a little worried about what she might think. And, um, but uh yeah ended up ended up leaving <laughs> it all began to just make more and more sense as i did more and more honest sort of looking at things and and also just realizing that as i was finding this information out i would be able to look back on my life and my the way i looked at material in the past was different i would look at it and basically because the church is true this is how this information should be looked at. And for the first time, I was looking at everything, if the church is true or if it's false. Let's see mm -hmm. what the probability is and let's see what the evidence says. And and it was just, it, it all fell apart so quickly. It was like everything began to be ridiculous. It was like, read read the scriptures and really pray. And I got this, this blessing that was, um, was it a blessing? I think it was might have just been 
Uh, might not have been a blessing. Anyway, yeah, um, I won't mention the names or whatever, but this, this, uh, really good friend of mine, um, basically said, if you read and live the gospel for a week, you will have your answer by the power of the Melchizedek priesthood. I promise you, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> so very bold. And, and, and I remember going into this week and I open up my scriptures and it's just like, suddenly it was like a talking snake. Really? A talking snake. I was like, <laughs> you know, like for the first time you read it with sort of like this critical it, yeah, thought and it's like a skepticism yeah. goes a long way. <laughs> it just it was just a big joke and I was like, okay, like I know that like psychologically, if I'm just praying and having faith, I'm just convincing myself of these things. And this whole week thing is, you know, a week long of sort of doing these things. It just seemed like if I came out at the end a believer, I was like, I just was was self-deception. You know, I'm like, all the signs point that that's what it would be if I believed after all the knowledge I had. And I just thought it was a ridiculous exercise. And to this day, he kind of, I think, believes that because I didn't go through with the whole week, <laughs> that therefore I didn't care about my marriage or my daughter who is still, I think uh, she was still pregnant at, no, maybe, I think maybe she was born at that point. Yeah. So anyway, like, I think that's, you know, how he views that is that because, you know, I gave you the promise, you know, and, and so since you didn't have enough faith to do it, that uh, I'm, I just didn't love It's, my it's wife amazing enough. how much it's really like clinical OCD. I mean, the real one, you know, where people like have to touch doorknobs five times or they have to wash in a certain order and they, they're psychologically wrapped around that. And, and it's amazing how much religion is that way that, that it, and it gets to be such a cumbersome, complicated thing. If you really piece it all together through your life and even through your day that it's just, you know, there's always an out as to why it's not working. And, and that makes some of the believers believe even stronger, you know? Uh, it's just, yeah, like like you said, when you just allow yourself a tiny grain of skepticism, then then it all just starts to fall to pieces. Or actually, everything starts coming together and everything starts making sense. Oh finally. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah. not in the way you 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 thought it was going to you know, when you were a kid. To go to go back to the Mormon Church would would it would, I mean. It's like I would have to dig out the truth and just completely ignore it and, you know, brainwash myself, like, purposefully. And it's just like, I can't, I can't possibly. Like, life makes so much sense now in, in as far as, like, I understand reality for what it is. That's the way I feel. And and it's just, it it feels like for the first time I can look around at everything without any without any kind of guilt or fear and I can just accept all truth. And that gives me so much hope because I mean, if I accept all truth and I'm willing to change at any point, no matter, you know, not accept any sort of any, uh, I guess personal attacks or, or something. If, if my beliefs end up changing or being wrong or someone has a differing opinion, it's just, you know that if you're like that, if you can switch your belief based on new evidence, then your your future is going to be filled with more and more power and ability to be uh, 
having the most fulfilling life and the most peace and joy. Well, I, th- I think there's something that's interesting in, w- in what you're saying, because a lot of believers, when they convert to a religion, will say the same thing. You know, life makes so much sense now, or UFO enthusiasts, you know, it all makes sense, you know. But but the difference is, when you're a conspiracy theorist or a religion enthusiast, they're kind of the same thing, um, they, they get this model that makes everything simple. Oh, the devil is lying to us, and God wants us to be good. I think when you abandon religion for a more skeptical point of view— things make more sense, but it's because they're more complicated. You know, when you're a religious person, you know, you still have to deal with the fact that why does God allow seven-year-olds to die of cancer? And, you know, when you take a skeptical point of view, it's not good news. It's just some kids get cancer. So, this makes more sense. So, 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 yeah, but I, it, is, it is completely freeing to not have to try to push everything into those conspiracy mm-hmm. theories and try to make everything make sense, you know, because... You don't have to explain why God is evil if there's no God. Not that I'm trying to force that in your, <laughs> in your gullet or anything. Let's uh, so let's 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 move uh, forward to the to the videos. Um, so you 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 leave the church and oh, sorry, you just did a um talk at the ex Mormon conference, John, and it was called iconic creative iconoclasm, and I and I think in a way that's something that Daniel, I mean. In a way, I think that's something that William is is actually doing with with these videos. That he's creating something, um, but but in a way that's going to have an iconoclastic effect. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully. Uh, what, so, what was the hopefully. genesis? <laughs> what was the genesis? Maybe it's just he's a, he's a dick. That's why he's doing them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what, what was the genesis of the of the movies? Well, last year in the summer, uh, my friend and I would jog to the gym and we would talk about all the ways we could destroy the church. (laughs) And we just thought of all these ideas and all these documentary ideas and video ideas and all kinds of things. We just, I mean, I don't know. We were kind of like, we would feed off each other's anger and, you know, it just got bigger and bigger. And, but, but we also got smarter and smarter. It felt in our, in our like ways that we sort of thought, well, this might really damn, well, what if we did this too? And, the, and, you know, and just sort of all these things. But we realized like, you know, no one is going to change their mind if you're showing the anger, if you're, if you're talking down to people. And so the Mormon church, came up with this I'm a Mormon ad stuff. <laughs> and I mean I started watching them and it was like kind of the most natural thing to think what if ex-Mormons did this have you seen <laughs> by the way they just released Brandon Flowers I'm a Mormon video Brandon heard, he's the I front heard. man for the killers oh, oh really? you've got to see it because it's got this great moment in it when he talks about how rock and roll is usually driven by sex and he rejected all that now the killer's icon is a leg, a woman's leg. And they have this song that's about this guy fantasizing about the girl he wants to get with having sex with another. I mean it's a fairly explicit song. I mean the killer song is pretty sexually charged. It's just the the mind warp in those I'm an ex-Mormon videos where I'm you know the Mormon. iconic ones have oh this guy's a motorcycle racer and this guy's a skateboard dude and this guy's a photographer of nude women as if that represents Mormonism. I understand what the church is doing. It's a sad campaign but it's fairly manipulative Mm. yeah and and that's partly what was some of the motivation was just feeling like 
Really? They're going to just show people as if like, hey, we're we're the most normal thing on the, on right. the planet when you, you <laughs> I mean, I, I know talking about temple stuff is is uh, pretty offensive to Mormons. But like when you start to put that into perspective of like what they do in the temple, I'm like, they're not normal. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's it's the most. I don't know. I just look back and you're like, mm, people call it a cult. And um, that feels, that was the first time I felt the church was a cult was in the temple. I was just like, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> anyway, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I know you, you might not like that, that word too much, but I, I kind of see it as a little bit. <laughs> anyway, I think there are certain aspects and the temple might be one, one of those. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, the the very idea that you have to pledge or you get a chance to leave before you're told what's in there and you're you're <laughs> pledged it's it's and the church itself acknowledges that it moves quick and people can't understand it the first time they're making commitments and yeah, I mean there's some really unhealthy stuff going on there. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, sorry for taking so many tangents. I just get what oh you even with like I'll pick up a hitchhiker and somehow it just and then I go off and just don't never stop. But but um anyway. So were you were you trained um how, how, why film? Is that something you've studied or is that something you're interested in from before? Yeah, I have a video business and it's just something I've always enjoyed doing and it just was sort of part of my natural expression of of uh, kind of my feelings about the Mormon church. I always wanted to do a documentary um, and it basically just kind of evolved into the video series. I made one basically um, because, well, I saw, I saw a post uh, postmormon.org thread where people were basically saying, you know, I, I'm a next Mormon at the end and just copying the format of the I'm a Mormon campaign. And they were just sort of like, this is my version. And I just sort of read them and there was a bunch of pages. And I remember like, cause I was, I was thinking of doing it, but it was just another idea. Cause I, you know, right. like we had tons of ideas of like, this is how I'm going to express myself, you know, and we're going to do this and take down the church or whatever. <laughs> and, um, so it was just another idea. But when I read the threads of all those powerful stories, I was like, wow, like this isn't just another, this, we should do this. You know, we should really make some, some videos sharing the stories of ex-Mormons and, and I think it'd be really powerful. So I got excited and then I went up, um, to my friend's house, Robert Goforth, who he's the, the bald one. I don't know if you saw his, I'm an ex-Mormon ad, but, um, basically we just, I happened to have my camera. We had like an hour and I was like, you know what? This is perfect. And I just was like, do you want to do this with me? He's like, yeah. And so we just, we filmed it, edited it the same day and I popped it online and then it got tons of views and everyone was like, this is awesome. And then just kind of grew from there. And I just started, kept doing it because I got such a great response at first. And, and it was really like, it felt healing to me, like to make this video and put it out there. I just like, after I finished editing, I was like, Oh, that felt good. You know, like, <laughs> I want to do this some more. Well, I know from talking to a lot of different people, they, they've been something that's meaningful in people's life. And I know that, you know, Mormon Expression itself, as well as just the community around, has sponsored picnics and stuff like that. And one of the main reasons we do that is because when people start leaving the church, they feel like those who've left the church are the other. They're the evil. They're the Satan. They're the devils. 
and they feel corrupt and dirty in sort of the way that you had described in your in your sort of separation from the church. And when people can see other normal people and that they're not crazy and that they're not weird and they're not disturbed and and there's people who are just like people to me every day who have decided to leave the church. I think that's very healing. And I think that's the strength of the project that you're doing. And I think that's why it's so meaningful. Even for people who I've talked to have been out of the church for a long time, they're very, very meaningful. Yeah. I, and I think it's, I want to make it clear that anger wasn't my only motivation for the video series at all. Like I felt like, I suppose in general, tearing down the church, it, wasn't only anger involved. It was like, well, I want to help people. You know, I want to help them get out of this craziness or something. But like, so there was like, I wanted to help people, but I also had this anger. And as I've continued to do them, I guess I've, I've just felt less and less angry. And, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's, that's great. And I think that most people will get there and, and I think that's healthy, <laughs> but. Like I just began to see certain positive things in the church that I just I I would always be like ah but you know you can get this positive thing elsewhere and I still believe that but I'm just I look back on growing up and feeling like the church taught me certain morals certain things that I didn't agree with but you know what I really appreciate was that I had a habit of putting a priority on morals Mm-hmm. And that stays, stays, you know, it stays with me. And I mean, I think that that is a huge benefit and, and something that came from the Mormon church. And even though they had to beat it into me over and over, you know, all these different things, feeling kind of like it was brainwashing now. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm a better person for um, the exit and for um, the sort of idea of trying to make my decisions based on what's right. Well, in, in, and in defense of the anger, it's just like any divorce you've ever seen. And I don't care who's at fault or how friendly the couple is. They're each going to go through a stage where they're feeling things akin to anger because there's an emotional separation that has to take place. And I think for what a lot of members look at in that angry phase that ex-Mormons go through, what they don't realize is this is sort of a, a normal, healthy psychological process of emotional separation, and it's a transitory state for most people. It doesn't it doesn't last. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, just like the divorce couple who 15 years later sees their spouse do something they really don't like the kids and it pisses them off a little bit, but that doesn't mean they're in a constant state of anger. And the same thing is with, 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 with ex-Mormons. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's overblown, the, 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 the pointing the finger on, on the anger. So out of all the videos you've done, which one has received the most hits? I haven't looked recently, actually. Um, but I would say the first one, Robert Goforth, is probably the most because I have two of his videos. <laughs> so I kind of uh-huh. add up the views on both of them. One version is a little bit different, but yeah, he's got probably... Probably a hundred thousand or more now, if I add up. I think. But uh, so, how how many have you published now? That's another thing I haven't recently, <laughs> but I think it's around thirty-seven. Okay. Wow. So, which ones are you most proud of? Oh, my favorites! I have so many favorites. <laughs> I love all of them. <laughs> They're all your babies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but people ask me that question. I can't answer it. So, you know, I can name some favorites of the I'm an ex Mormon videos. No, of, of what oh. we do, our episodes. 
My brother's definitely huge favorite. Um, I really like uh, Jean Bodie's. I like hers a lot. I like Dustin Patzer's a lot, probably because it's more doctrine a little bit. You know, he kind of, <laughs> most of them don't really get into doctrine and stuff. We try to keep it on just sort of the emotional journey and, and feelings and things like that. Cause that's, I just felt like, you know, it, there's lots of doctrine. People can go online and find doctrine, right. <laughs> you know, but like giving people strength and support and, and I felt like that was going to be better. And it's something people can't really attack much. It's, it's harder to attack that kind of thing. You know, it's like, here's my journey. Here's how I felt. Here's my difficulties that I went through, my struggles. And here's how my life is just so much better. Like it's, people manage to attack it anyway, but you know, a lot of people will say, for instance, like, well, they didn't even say why they left the church. Like, <laughs> you know, like a Mormon will comment and, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, like, it seems like you don't like anti-Mormon stuff. Are you trying to encourage me to make it more anti? Is that what you're trying to do? You know, I, I don't know Should what we get more specific because yeah. we can. Yeah. But, um, I liked, um, Shane, Shane Jack. Oh yeah. That one. That I love that one as well. That one's a great one, and and Peter and Mary Danzig's I like I like theirs a lot. It's like every video I think, oh yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. There um, was one that was really interesting about um, it was a couple um, who were sharing their experience with he had um, struggled or you know oh, yeah. with with pornography for a long time and the struggles want, that they went to, everyone to know that I never struggled <laughs> with pornography just for it the record never a struggle um <laughs> but yeah I thought wow those guys are brave to to go out there and tell that story yeah yeah Carrie and and Stuart on my website I'm an ex-mormon.com they I put a little link on the side that says Mormon sexual repression on the right hand side. Oh yeah, and, that one. Uh, that was one of the early ones, wasn't it? It was I think um somewhere in the middle there, I think, but I, I remember that one now. I, I didn't want to include it as a regular video because it seemed a little different and, and it was a little longer. But I I mean, as you can tell by my story, it was something really affecting my life and so it was really kind of personal to me, this story that he shared with his wife and and um so I felt like I really wanted to make that video. And when we came up with the idea, we all got excited. Like, yeah, we should do a video about this. And But it just seemed so different. And also a little bit like, you know, all the stigma around. Right, and right. So, kind of taboo. And before, yeah, before I released it, I actually asked like the ex-Mormon community, like, what do you think? Like, should I put this on my website or not? You know, and a lot of people said no. They they thought, no, I want this to be a little safer so that I can send my family members there and they won't be like, oh. I'm out of here. You know? So <laughs> they said sex. <laughs> so I just kept it as a link on the side instead of a sort of regular I'm an ex-Mormon ad. But I like somebody that. must That's have posted it um, on their Facebook because I mean I di- I didn't go to your website to see that, but someone had posted it and I watched it and I was kind of blown away by their openness about such a taboo topic. Well, I, I think it's extremely important. You know, we we talk about masturbation and joke about it quite often on the podcast. And it, it has a bigger focus on the podcast than it does in our lives, partly because of that. I mean, it's a conscious decision on our part to try to break the taboo, because I do think it's super common, and there's a lot of emotional and psychological damage that has been done and being done in the church because of it. And it won't stop until we bring it out into the light and saying it's it's a normal behavior. And I just cringe. I just... Um, if there's any reason that I would want to fight against the church, it's because they're making people get divorced over 
masturbation and pornography and that's that's crazy that's just that's just over the top nuts you know so i i think it's a very important piece that that, that you did they they were um originally going to do it with silhouettes because mm-hmm. they were so afraid of the subject as well yeah. like it's still sort of this you know uh, um and i i agreed with them i was like yeah that makes sense let's do it that way you know I, <laughs> but then you know they kind of were like you know what if we're going to do this let's do it right you know let's let's be open about it and it's just you know it'll help people more and so i'm glad that that that, that happened cuz they they did a great job yeah, I was really impressed. Yeah, yeah, definitely important. Um, there's a scripture that says something like the sins will be shouted from the rooftops or whatever. And it was something I was scared of as a, as a young man. And now I know that it's an idle threat because it'll destroy the power of the religious. You know, if it was in fact laid out what everybody's done and everybody's thought and everybody's been, um, first of all, they'll lose their status as the righteous ones to be led. And most everybody else will realize, hey, I'm pretty normal. So <laughs> religions will never do such a thing because it takes away their power. Mm. Um, and, and, and I applaud what you're doing because that's part of what's being done. It's taking away the psychological power. And I don't, I'm not necessarily saying I, I want the church to be taken down. Or I want people to be unhappy, but I want that control. To be, I want the church to be declawed in that in that sense, and I think you're doing an important thing there. Yeah, I I get a lot of uh, emails or messages on the website, and just people thanking me or sharing their stories. And I mean, it's been really really fulfilling for me to make the videos, and I'm sure you have had similar experiences with people thanking you and stuff. And I just I don't know, it it feels like I've kind of gone into this world of almost activism, you know, and and it's like I'm getting addicted to it and you know, it's like, ah, I can change the world. I can do it, you know, I can do make it different. And there's 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 so many people who are who are feeling lost and alone and 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 it's not just something that a few of us can do, but everybody can find their niche, you know, and and find ways to to give support. And and that's what I think I think that the 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 Mormons inside the church who look at what you're doing and would call anti Mormon, which there's plenty who will, miss the point of what it's doing out there psychologically, which is that that I am not alone. I'm you know, I'm there's others like me. So enough of that bullshit. What's um, what's the funniest? Uh, I mean, what are the? There's got to be some good backstories from what's what happened while while <laughs> behind the scenes stuff. Is that what you're hoping yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. I, I want the dirt now. Yeah. I want the dirt. <laughs> well, let's see. If 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 anyone's seen the Steve Lee's video, that's another one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Um, he's. His is a little longer as well. I thought it was an important subject about homosexuality, and I let his video be a little bit longer than normal, just because he had so much to say and um, he had so much experience in in like the Evergreen, you know, program and stuff like that. And um, so his his video at the end, if no one, I, I'm guessing most people will just stop watching after it shows the logo. But uh, probably one of my favorite moments that I I didn't want to leave out. So I was like, well, how can I keep this here without, you know, kind of, I guess, changing the the video in a way? Because I was worried maybe that some homosexuals that might really need to see this video might get turned off at the end because of what he does. Because it's really hilarious. I, did you see the... No, I didn't. I, I saw the video, but I don't remember this okay. part. So, so at, the, at the end, you know, he says, my name is Steve Lee and I'm an ex-Mormon or whatever. Um, and then the logo shows and then I do another ending because it's just... 
this this one take that I made that was so funny. So he's like, my name's Steve Lee. I'm an ex-Mormon. And then he goes, and I'm fabulous. And he starts to like, you know, come towards the camera. And, and I just loved it. It was so funny but and, and fun. But it was just, um, I was, I guess, maybe I shouldn't have been worried, but a part of me was a little worried that maybe someone who's like trying to be Mormon but is homosexual and is trying, 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 and they watch this video, maybe it affects them. And then at the very end, they're like, oh, one of those like, flamboyant homosexuals that they maybe despise because they've been taught to despise it. Uh-huh. And I was worried uh-huh. that it might kind of end it in the wrong way or something. So I kind of snuck it in the end at the... <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look for that. <laughs> well, now, these things um, aren't free. So what's the website again? I am an ex-Mormon.com. And what I mean by they're not free is they're free for everybody to listen to, but it costs you money <laughs> to, to, to produce. So if people want to help out, how can they do so? Uh, yeah, just go to the website and there's a little donate button on the I'm an ex-Mormon.com. I, I, uh, you know, it's not like I do this for a living. I just do it for fun kind of thing. It was a hobby and I haven't put out a video in a couple months, but, uh, that's mainly because I just needed a break <laughs> and <laughs> needed to stop stressing on the weekly video. It just was, I was staying up all night on Friday night, <laughs> you know, like we, editing. We know of. the feeling, yeah. similar yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we, we feel your pain, but I, I think your work is much appreciated and it's good and, and it's worth supporting. The, and the way, you know, way the internet goes, these things, these things stick around for a long time. Right. You know? Yeah. So even if, if you only produce, you know, if you don't produce them every week, it's okay. There's a whole bunch of them out there that are that are working. They're magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's started to like I've started to lose my motivation to to make them as far as like just kind of um, ready to move on from Mormonism and just like leave it. You know, I don't want to don't want to keep focusing on it. It's kind of gotten exhausting and just. Um, but the the videos that I filmed, I still have like a. Uh, maybe 16 or so that I'm going to edit. And um, I know they're helping enough people that I feel like I should still finish and get them out there. But uh, I don't know. I I don't really want to stay around and, and focus on it too much more, especially because, you know, the like you say, it's just it's kind of like my legacy. I just leave it, and they're always going to be there for people to watch. And Right, and you can move on to the next big thing. And what we always say is, as long as it's fun, do it. When it's not fun, quit doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, William. It's been uh, really fun talking to you, and thank you for sharing all the that uh, all that stuff because oh, yeah. you know it's not as strange and not as different, and it's real. I mean, the your story with the suicides and the it, it, it's it, depression over masturbation. And it's out there, and it's real, and it, and it helps. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, as always, um, do you, you have an email out there that uh, people can contact you at? Yeah, there's a contact submission form on the website. Uh, that'll go right to my email, which is xmormon at hotmail.ca. Oh, wow. Which I was able to snag when the Canadian Hotmail accounts opened up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jumped on it and cool. got that. <laughs> and, of course, there is our um, our our message board where um, on our website at mormonexpression.com. Don't forget the live show, November 18th um, in Salt Lake City, the... Um, sing along the Mormon okay. fight songs and sing along. Yep. And the cruise, um, January 27th of, uh, 2012. Holy crap. Didn't the world end that year? And you can still, uh, you can no, still. No, that get was 12 years ago. We missed it. Yeah. 
All right. Good night. Thanks, Wayne. Good night. Thank you.